0: It's true. Some of us do make deals with the divine. It's an interesting thing to be in a relationship with an idea of creator or life source or mother that you've never actually met in the flesh. And still, there are these cosmic and earthy negotiations that we've heard about throughout time. Jacob wrestling with the angel is one that comes to mind. Julianne of Norwich and her divine revelations and what an experience these mystics and saints have had. Teresa of Avila, her ecstatic visions. I got to see her when I was in Italy. What about St. Francis and the visions that he had? What an incredible mind and heart and how brave. What about St. John of the Cross and the relationship with creator? And then there's people like Hildegard von Bingen, who made up a secret language, was an herbalist, was declared a doctor of the church, was a composer, an artist, and so many things. We all have these different relationships with how we experience the divine and the divine's message to us and through us. Who are some of the people that you've studied and followed and looked at? Their work. Have you looked at the work of Pema Chodron? What about Mother Teresa? Doctor Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Gandhi, Bishop Tutu. I got to sing for Bishop Tutu once. I was part of choir, a children's choir at Glide Church in San Francisco. Who are some of the people that you have been connected with? Artists, Vincent van Gogh and his tortured story. Frida Kahlo and her accident and what it meant for her work. Diego's work with how he represented the people of his time and their relationship with creation and power structures. Or our very own art matriarch. I'm thinking of Lenore Thomas Strauss when given the opportunity to choose any art that she wanted as a part of the New Deal during the Roosevelt administration and she chose to carve the preamble to the Constitution in stone. You know, no small activity. In a way, each one of these is its own deal with the divine, a kind of negotiation and allowing for information in the form of prayer, painting, poetry, music, story, sacred practice to come through. Not everyone strikes a deal with the divine and I'm sure these lovely saints and teachers wouldn't necessarily call it that. But when Jacob wrestles with the angel and he comes away with the limp, I tend to think those of us who do wrestle with angels end up walking with a kind of a limp. When I was in my early 20s, I was working in corporate America Selling computer training and had some of the first personal computers at my fingertips. Hence my deep, long connection with technology and my capacity to run almost every single system inside of our company with some support. But I know how to touch it all. And I was also going to the Academy of Art in San Francisco. And hating what was happening there and feeling like my art was being stripped from me. I moved away from that world because of a sudden ecstatic experience of my own. It was a kind of ecstatic anger really. I was at Glide Church in San Francisco and it was Mother's Day and didn't really know anything about the, about Mother Mary at that time because I wasn't raised Catholic, and if you aren't raised Catholic or Orthodox, you aren't going to hear about her except when you sing about her, uh, when you sing Silent Night at Christmas and send Christmas cards with a nice mommy in a cave and a baby and some donkeys because there was no room at the inn, of course. I was in church, and they didn't talk about the mother, They didn't talk about Jesus' mother, they didn't talk about Rachel, they didn't talk about Rebecca, they didn't talk about Leah, they didn't talk about Sarah, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob what about the God of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel Leah? It was strange it was a strange moment and all of a sudden I was freaking out of my mind with fury. I left that day and I left that church and I stomped up Stockton Street to my home in San Francisco and I was out of my mind with fury. Fury that we could focus so long on the children of men and not the children of women. On a God that was largely presented as masculine and father and not presented and inclusive of the feminine, even though I already knew by this time that the name used for the divine in Genesis Elohim included masculine and feminine. I already knew the divine included masculine and feminine, and I was just sort of loving being at Glide Church because we could dance and sing and pray, but even at a liberal church like that, not including the feminine. So I remember standing in my San Francisco apartment and literally just like screaming, It was ecstatic fury. At the Father and at Jesus, where is my mother? It was one of those incredible moments where peace just descended on me, and the presence of what I could only describe as Mother Mary arose. Within 48 hours, my entire life had been turned upside down, and I left All of those things, the handsome boyfriend with the motorcycle, the school, the job, the money, the trappings, the high heels got traded for hiking boots and I was suddenly living in a trailer on a mountain without indoor plumbing and studying with my mamas, the painter mother, Suhoya Sellers, and the poet mother, Karen McLeod. The next year would be a time of intense initiation and it's why... One of the reasons I offer trainings at MUSEA is because I want to offer the intense initiation offered to me by Sue Hoya Sellers and my mother, Karen McLeod, that changed everything for me, which was to study image and language in a sacred container. And we did. We even had a sisterhood called the Sisterhood of the Stone, and we gathered monthly as I went through the initiation with art, with sculpting myself out of who I was and who I would become and who I am today. Well, it was during this first few months of this initiatory mentorship when I began to study the mother in earnest in the form of the goddess all the way to the Mother Mary and to the Guadalupe. And in this time, intentional creativity came, which was when Sue asked me to put my prayer into whatever it was I was making, and to believe that prayer went out to those who needed it and to feel that in my body. And I did, and intentional creativity came forth. But something else came forth too. The cries of the world. I can almost hear them right now as I imagine my young self in my overalls and hiking boots and my little braids and my body covered in clay and paint and the wilderness that I was living in. As I sent that call out of intentional creative love out to those who need it, needed it, I heard a response back, and the response was almost like a cacophony of suffering, all the world's pain at once. It's like I could hear the deafening screams. It's the same screams of the children at the school in Nashville. It's the same screams of the children being separated from their parents in the Ukraine. It's the same deafening, senseless sorrow created by humans and wrought upon the earth and other humans. And in that moment, something else came, which I can only explain as a kind of compassion that was born in me and that was a compassion for not just the suffering because that was pretty instant for me and I had been raised with a family who tended the suffering of others but a compassion for those who would sleep because if you would choose to wake you would hear the cries of the world and the cries of the world would be so deafening it would be hard to function if you really let it in I found it hard to function and I had a lot of support So I prayed, and I prayed to the mother, and I said, how can anyone be awake and live? That was the question. So the compassion for the people who are asleep and wanting to reach them has been a huge part of my inspiration for my great work, a desire, because I was able to wake, and I could go and wake the others. And what came from that request, how can anyone be awake and live, was that intentional creativity to ma- make our lives by hand with meaning would actually be the way to navigate a capacity to hear the suffering and to live. This is why in our community we pray in paint, we chant the names of the murdered and the lost, We do not turn our face from suffering. We integrate it into our work so that we can be well enough ourselves to serve. Because if we must turn away or become numb, we will not be able to turn and serve when we are most needed. And so it felt to me like intentional creativity was given as a gift that I would be instructed literally to give away and I have. At that same time, I made a deal with the divine. And that deal I will share with you right now. That deal was, I am your steward. I am your servant. I will do whatever you ask of me. I have one request in return for my yes. Make it plain. Make it really clear what you want me to do. And I will do it. And if it is vague, I will not act. Now this for me, this deal that I struck with the divine is like my wrestling with the angel. It is like Gandhi harvesting salt. It is like Hildegard von Bingham designing the way that the sisters of her order would Dress because they were brides of Christ. It has an eccentricity to it and it has a deep logic to it at the same time. It's both and it's very literal and physical and it's very mystical and bizarre. How does the divine make it plain? Well, what I can say is that for the most part, the divine has made it plain. The making it plain for me means I have a sensual, somatic sensation and occurring of a kind of a consciousness and a kind of a will and a kind of an action and a kind of a vision. I bring it forward in painting, writing, and song, and then the path is clear, a window opens, and I walk ahead. At different times, there have been different stumbling points, and I have heard a clear instruction, something like, do not move to the left or to the right. Stay on the narrow narrowest path possible one cowgirl boot in front of the other if you go to the left or the, to the right you will find yourself falling and I saw a vision of like a narrow chamber that got wide at the top but I was walking down the center and just I said yes again I keep saying yes and then there are these times and one of those times is right now there are times when it isn't clear and it isn't plain and as I say that, instantly a vision comes into mind, an instruction that has been given that I haven't said yes to. And so that saying yes to the divine requires that I do what they give me to do or the next piece won't come. And so today, although I have announced it in previous messages, I'm announcing again and offering the dates that I am calling a council. It's a 500-year council. And until I say yes to this at the level I am today, I believe the next clear instruction won't come. These kinds of things are rooted, again, deep in deep logic and instruction. Like I have dates on the calendar. That's how logical it is. And it's esoteric and bizarre because why do I need to do this? We don't always know why great work needs to happen. It's something that you don't invent. It's just something that starts to come through you. And if you don't say yes to it, the next part of the instruction won't be given. This is my personal experience, but maybe there's something here for you. Have you been offered to do something that feels like an impulse like a great work like a call from beyond like a call from your blessed mother or your blessed father and you haven't said yes to it and it's lingering and waiting and the next piece of clarity will not be given until you say yes to this piece and so i'm saying yes to this piece which has been given but i'm also asking for a renegotiation of my deal with the divine the anniversary of my mother Karen's passing into her future. My voice doesn't sound as soft as usual because I'm fighting back tears. For most of my life, I feel I've been guided. And I've shared that guidance with all of you in the forms of the teachings I give. Both the high-level certifications and these messages and red thread letters and Tens of thousands of dollars of complimentary education given each year. These are offerings from my heart, from my great work. Today I offer these dates to you. I put them on the altar of creation and invite you to meet with me for the next 500 years. I know that the next clear instruction that I truly need is not going to be given until I share these dates with you. That's how mystics roll. That's how mystics roll. That's how mystics roll. If you do not follow the inner prompting, the next piece of the path will not be placed before you. I have stayed on the narrow path. I have kept up my end of the deal. And yet, today, I ask for a renegotiation of my sacred assignment. I hope I've showed up. To the best of my ability, I have. The rain is just stopping, the kitties are near, the community calls, and the dates have been set. And so it is, and so we are. And I share this in memory of my mother, Karen. Before my mother, Karen, walked into her future, she had a vision. It was a vision of an inclusive church or sanctuary that I would begin. And she said it would be almost like how the speaking in tongues happen where everyone hears the message in their own language. So may you hear the message of the Kira in your own language and may it meet you where you are.